Exodus chapter 2, and while you're turning there, I want to give you something that has been stated for probably a hundred years, but I think it still rings true today. It is this, behind every great man, there is a great woman. Behind every great man, there is a great woman. And I don't know that this is, it's often talking about a wife, but I think especially in our society, in our day and age, we need to make sure we also realize this about our mothers. And uh, so I want to present to you a mother this morning that I think the majority of you would know. Um, she's famous in the history of the Israelites, but her name is only mentioned twice in the entire Bible. So you may not specifically know her name, but I think you would know who she is. She is the mother of three children. All of them were successful in the fields that God had called them to. We know very little about her background. We know uh, not much about her, uh, um, her childhood or anything like that. We don't know where she was born. We don't know where or when she died. She seems to just be in the background. Not a prominent figure, not one. Again, as I said, the Bible only mentions her name twice. She's not a prominent figure of society. We all know and have seen the results of her life, though, in the Word of God. Over the last several uh, months, we have uh, taken time studying and understanding the children of Israel and their road to the promised land. We've talked about how they've conquered things and how they've gone closer to Christ and uh, they've conquered uh, and will continue to conquer, as we'll see here in the next several weeks. They've made it to this point under the leadership of one man, though. That one man was the name of Moses. Moses was a great man. Moses was a man that followed hard after God. And if I was going to model my leadership after anybody in the Bible, it would have to be Moses. Moses is a wonderful leader. He does some amazing things. And Moses wanted to know God. In fact, on many occasions, you see him speaking to God, and we see him face to face with God, and God uh, shows him the hinder part of his glory just before he dies. Moses wanted to lead the way that God wanted him to. He was a great leader, one that had, a, had the best interest of the children of Israel at his heart. You see, many times God is ready and willing to destroy the children of Israel. And Moses basically steps in and says, God, here's some things that you almost need to think about. Obviously, God knew those things, but he steps in for the children of Israel. And he begins to talk about the children of Israel to God and was the best in their best, their best interest in mind. Behind every great man, there's a great woman. I want to introduce to you this morning Moses' mother, Jochebed. Jochebed. How many of you know that? Her name was Jochebed. All right, just a few. It's only mentioned twice. Jochebed had three children, Aaron, Moses, and Miriam. All three are leaders in the children of Israel. Aaron, we obviously know, was the, the priest, the high priest. Moses being the uh, leader of them. And Miriam right by their side, helping in any way that she could. All of them were successful. So what does it take to be a mother that raises three imperfect but highly successful children? And one of them be the leader of the entire nation of Israel. What is it what does it take? So I want to present to you a message that I've entitled, A Conquering Mother. A Conquering Mother. I'm going to be emotional today. 
I'd like to chronicle the life of Moses and then relate that back to his mother, Jochebed. But before we jump into her story, we must understand that they were captive in the land of Egypt. This is, where, this is the setting in which we find ourselves. They're in the land of Egypt. They've been there for almost 400 years. And Jochebed and Amram, which is her, her, his, his, excuse me, is her husband's name. And we see these two people in the land of Egypt, slaves in the land of Egypt. They, don't, they are not free. They are not free to do as they wish. They are slaves. And so they begin to uh, live and thrive in the land of Egypt. And the fact of the matter is this, that the Egyptian people are actually scared of the Israelites because they have become so numerous. There's so many of them. They see uh, uh, so many growing and, and the children are having children and grandchildren. We see this, this group of people, God's blessings still upon them and they just continue to grow. And they view that, the Egyptians view that as a threat. If anybody, they say this, and if anybody shows up to fight against us, if the Hebrews join them, we're going to be in trouble. And so they devise a plan that they are going to kill every one of the male babies that are born. Any, if you were a female, you got to live. Any male was to be put to death. So this is where they are in their society. This is the options that they have before them. This is the struggle that they struggle with Every day. Exodus chapter 2 will begin in verse 1. The Bible says, And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to him a wife, a daughter of Levi. That is basically all we know about Amram and Jochebed. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. Okay, so this, this was a man child. This was supposed to be killed, but yet she saw it was a goodly child, so she hid him. In verse 3, the Bible says, and when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister, being Miriam, stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him. And said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister, Miriam again, to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call to the nurse of the Hebrew women? that she may nurse the child for thee. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me. I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. So Moses means being drawn out of the water. If we can, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get into this. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity. Father, I want to thank you personally for my mom. She was imperfect. Father, she loved me and she challenged me. She prayed for me. She pushed me. Father, for that I am eternally grateful. Father, for every mother in this room, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of our sins. And thank you for giving us people that love us and that will spur us to do more. Father, I pray that today we would see these things, we would be challenged because of them. And Father, we see a, a conquering mother 
We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies, I want you to put yourself in this situation. You are under command by the reigning authority at that time, and you're not just under a, a democracy. This is not a democracy. You, cannot, uh, you don't have any rights. These, these are things that you have to do. And so you are in this time, and you are, you are expecting a baby, and you don't know whether it's a boy or girl. There's no ultrasounds back then. And so you begin to think through this. What, what, what kind of baby is this going to be? And is it, is it going to be a boy or is it going to be a girl? And for nine months... All you can think about is, am I going to have to kill this baby or am I going to allow it to be alive? And so there's this struggle going on inside. Put yourself in this situation. She gives birth to a boy, how elated she must be, but at the same time, how her heart must have sank. And so she begins to think, this is a goodly child, and the Bible says that very clearly. What am I going to do? And so she decides, I'm going to hide him. Now, how you hide a baby, I will never know. They squawk, they scream, they're loud, they're obnoxious, they're up in the middle of the night when everything else is quiet. For some reason they love the sound of their own voice. All I know is it would have been very difficult for her to hide. Especially, I'm sure, there were Egyptians all over the place, taskmasters walking around making sure everybody's up in the morning and being ready on time. And it's, it's a slave, it's an encampment. It's not good. And so picture yourself in this situation. The first thing that I want you to see about a conquering mother is that she's sacrificial. Every conquering mother is sacrificial. But not only every conquering mother, I believe every mother is sacrificial. Let me give you a few examples. Every mother sacrifices their body. Every, every mother sacrifices their bodies. During that time of giving birth, it is not pleasant for the body of a woman. Unfortunately, you women are so strong, you're amazing, and to go through that and to try and do all that you can for that child, that's sacrificial. You sacrifice your time. Listen, if you don't have a child, you have so much time to do whatever you want. You go get your hair done, you can go get your nails done, you can do all of those things. Listen, you sacrifice your time. There's, 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 again, there's midnight feedings and two o'clock in the morning feedings. And there's all these things that go on. You sacrifice your time. You sacrifice your space. Man, before we had kids, our space was nice. It was clean all the time. We had, we had somewhat nice things at the time. And now it's got fingerprints all over it, jelly stains. It's just, it's gross now. You don't even want to come over it's just constantly, always on our space. We used to have three bedrooms. Now we don't. They sacrifice their money. They sacrifice their health. They sacrifice all of these things just to have children. And we want to say thank you for that. But this was a little bit different. This was just a little bit different than any normal mother. You see, Jacobed had, was literally sacrificing her life to keep the baby. This was not something, again, oh, you know what, it's, it's fine, you kept a baby, we'll just be okay with that. And again, the Bible doesn't really say all of these things, but I think if you, if you put yourself in this situation, it's pretty easy to see that they would have a very difficult time keeping a baby because that probably meant the death of the baby if they found out and the death of the mother. If you're going to do that, or she would be beaten or something, this was a sacrificial move to make. 
for a personal lady that was going to try to keep her son alive. I want to show you two things under what sacrificing is. The sacrifice would have taken great fortitude. Number one, great fortitude. You see, fortitude means this. Mental or emotional strength in facing difficulty, adversity, danger, or temptation courageously. Mental and emotional strength in facing difficulty. There's not one mother I know that does not have mental and emotional strength in the face of difficulty. Especially when it comes to your child. Right? I see women come out of themselves. I've seen my mother freak out because somebody did something to their child. Listen, that's what mothers do. You, we don't say a mother bear, don't get between a mother bear and her cub for no reason. You just don't do that. And the same is true with a human mother and her child. You don't get between. It takes fortitude. You see, in this instance with Jochebed, there is no room for cowardice. There is no room for it. You see, if she second-guessed herself or if she, she was a little bit cowardly, Moses would not live. If she did what she thought she uh, had to do based upon the law, she, excuse me, Moses would not live. She had some fortitude. She would have to stand up for what was right. She would have to risk her life in order to save his Again, this is every mother in this room. I think if you were in this position, you would try to do the same thing. You would have that fortitude. Mothers just have this God-given natural ability of fortitude. Sometimes men don't even have that. And so here we are. But not only does sacrifice take fortitude, number two, it takes faith. It takes faith. You see, it takes faith, number one, to put him in the river. This is a difficult situation she knew that it would do him no good to keep him in the house. Again, I, I can only imagine that there are people, uh, Egyptians walking around, spending time around their house. And if they saw a male child uh, of just a few months old, they would begin to raise suspicion and things would be obviously done from that. The Egyptians would find him. So she literally did this. She took her hands off of him and trusted and had faith in God to take care of him. Now can you imagine taking your baby, putting him in a little ark made of bulrushes, pitch, putting slime and pitch around it. First of all, most ladies don't even like their kids around dirt, let alone slime and pitch. And laying him in there. And so you place this baby in there and not only do you do that, you put him in the river. You know the river at this time, the Egyptian river was the Nile River. Has anybody ever heard of a Nile crocodile? And see, you're putting your baby in a river full of crocodiles that are ten times the size of this little baby and probably ten times the size of the ark. All it takes is one tail swip or whatever it may be to break this thing up. This is a step of faith for her. But she knew the child would have no chance. And so what does she do? She gives him over to God. Literally putting him in the hands of God. And I don't know. I, I can only imagine, again, what she would have said when she did this. God, I'm giving my baby to you. I don't know how this is going to work out. But he's a goodly child. We've saved him up until this point. Would you protect him? Would you guide him? You see, all of these things perhaps were running through her mind. 
what a lesson we can learn from this lady. You see, there are times in our lives, and I think if we're honest, we try to control everything in our lives. Listen, I try to control my children at times. And I think there's some place for that, but there comes a point in their lives where we actually do have to physically let go and let God have control. Most of us don't do this all of a sudden, though. Most of us have approximately 18, 19, maybe 20 years to do this. It's a process, right? You, you, they're born and you begin working with them and you teach them and you teach them how to walk and you teach them how to talk and you begin to work through these things and then you begin to teach them the do's and the don'ts of life and you begin to, they get into their adolescence years and oh my goodness, what a problem that is. And then they get into their teenage years and you thought adolescence was bad and you just go, oh my goodness, I don't know how I'm going to finish this. And then you get to 20 years old and by by this time, they're like, I'm getting ready to move out. So you've had 20 years. I don't know what the time frame was here, but I can't imagine it was very long from birth to getting rid of. Because he still needed to be, to, to be nursed. Talk a little bit about that when, uh, when uh, the Pharaoh's daughter finds her. Finds him, excuse me. And so here we are, there's not much time in here, she's already giving him up. Already putting him aside and saying, God, he is yours. He is for you. All of this takes faith. You see, as you let go of your children and they begin to get married or go off to college or all those things, it takes faith. Again, I remember the first time uh, we went up to Faithway and I uh, walked into the dorm. My mom just started crying. Just started crying. I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, I just, all I can think about is I'm leaving you. I'm leaving you. And she gave me the biggest hug I think I've ever had in my entire life the day that she left. And I asked her later, I said, did you cry the entire way home? It's a four, four and a half hour drive home. She said, just about the entire way home I cried. My mom was letting me go. That's difficult. She had to have faith that what she taught me for 17 years at that point, that that's what I was going to live by, that that's how I was going to act, that I would have the respect that I needed to have, that I would do what God called me to do. She had to have faith. Not only does it take faith to just simply get us out into the world, which is quite a big step, but it takes sacrificial faith to give us to the Lord. I want you to think about that. It takes a sacrificial faith for mothers to give their children to the Lord. Again, I do not live near my parents. Two and a half hours, not that big of a deal. But my mother, I can guarantee if you were to ask her, she would love it for us to be very close. So it was, it was, it was a sacrificial thing for her to say, God, you take my son and you do whatever you want with him. You see, far too often mothers can do this. Mothers can say, no, that is my child. That's mine. I gave birth to him, and that's my child. Listen, I agree with you. I understand that. But listen, every child that is born to you is God's child. And I think we do ourselves a huge disservice if we just hold on to them. Listen, God may allow you to have your children close by. That's wonderful. Love it. Enjoy it. But listen, if God wants to use your child in the ministry, in some sort of service, or send them out west to do something to, to build his kingdom, listen, allow that. Rejoice in that. That's exciting. That's what God wants. 
Jochebed knew that this was God's child. Jochebed knew that God could do with him what he wanted to do. The interesting thing about this whole story is that Jochebed gets Moses back just after a few hours. <laughs> she sets him aside and says, God, it's all yours. And I can imagine the emotion. And then all of a sudden, Miriam comes around. Mom, the, the Pharaoh's daughter wants you to be his nurse. Come, come, come. And she, I can just imagine now the excitement. I love that part of the story. It's so amazing to see what God does. But the story doesn't stop there. Because Jochebed had to give Moses back again. Again, she has to step out in faith and say, God, I'm going to send him into the world. Egypt is a picture of the world. And I'm going to send him out there and he's going to learn the Egyptian customs. And he's going to learn the Egyptian way of life. And he's going to be high in the Egyptian way. I can just imagine if Jochebed was any type of mother whatsoever, every single day she was on her knees praying for him. And no doubt in my mind there are many mothers here today that every single day one of your children may be in the world and every single day you're praying for them. Every single day you're on your knees begging God that they will just do right. Jochebed knew that Moses needed God. And she had faith that God would do something for him in the rest of his life. And I believe that somehow in that, Jochebed instilled in Moses a faith of his own because we begin to see him do some things that begin to show us that. I want to continue, look at number two, she was sorrowful. Look at verse 11. The Bible says this, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew one of his brethren. And he looked this way and looked that, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killedst the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Verse 15, Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. What a proud mother. The mother of a convicted murderer. What a wonderful thing she must have felt. How would you feel if your son was a convicted murderer? I don't think there's anybody in here that has that. And if you are, I'm sorry. This is what the Bible says. But how would you feel? I guarantee you would feel sorrowful. Again, picture Jochebed. Picture her as, as a mother who now her son has killed somebody. Pharaoh now wants to kill him and he runs away. He's not even in the country anymore. Sorrowful. Hurt. You hurt for your children. I'm sure every mother in here has had a time in which their children has made them sorrowful. There have been times in my life that I've made my mother sorrowful. I promise you I am not a convicted murderer. But there have been times. I remember one time I did something probably stupid. I don't even remember what it was. But I gave, I fought my mom in the bathroom. And I remember 
hearing my mom cry in the laundry room. And I just remember walking to her and saying, I'm sorry. There were other times as a teenager, actually when Beth and I started dating, I treated my mom so poorly. And I remember hearing and my dad telling me, she cries because of the way you treat her. Every mother has been sorrowful at some point in their life. And the worst part of this now is that Moses is now gone for 40 years. We don't see from him. We don't hear from him. They don't get to call him. They don't get to FaceTime. I mean, this, he's gone. He's not coming back to visit because Pharaoh wants to kill him. He's gone. Jacobin never gets to see, according to what the Bible says, never gets to see Moses again. Imagine the sorrow that filled her heart. But you see, this was all in God's plan. He was doing something in the life of Moses. And this is the most wonderful part of the story. This is the, uh, this is the part of the story I believe that's somewhat suppositional. We do not find this next point in the Bible, but I believe it's a characteristic of conquering mothers that bears recognizing. The third point I want you to see is this, sustainable. Sustainable. What do you think Jochebed was doing the whole time Moses was in the land of Midian. I, I can almost guarantee she was praying for him. She was begging God. She was trying to get him to do what he was supposed to do through God. I bet she never lost hope in her son. I bet she never gave up on him. She, it, she had a sustainable hope. Was this what she envisioned for her son, a convicted murderer running away? No. But God had a plan. I'm sure Jacob had worried. I'm sure she prayed. I'm sure she thought at times he was probably dead. We never heard from him again. But conquering mothers, get this, conquering mothers, get this, never lose hope. Never lose hope. They are able to sustain their hope. They hope the best for their children. And there are some mothers here today, I'm sure, that are discouraged about where their children are. They may be in church, but they may not be in the church that you want them to be in. They may be Christians, but they've gone away from God. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on. But listen this. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. Keep praying. Keep begging. Keep sorrowing. Never give up. They need someone fighting for them. They need somebody to be on their knees for them. They need someone to beg God on their behalf. They need someone to tell them the truth in love. They need someone to not give up on them. And you may be here today that that's the type of mother you have. Maybe you're the child who's gone away. Maybe you're the one who said, listen, I don't want to have anything to do with this anymore. And your mother has been praying for you for years and years and years and years and years. Can I say, maybe today's the day to get back in. Maybe today's the day to talk to your mother about what she wants for your life and what she envisions for your life and what God has for your life. Maybe today's the day. Mothers, every single one of you has the most amazing opportunity in the world. You have the amazing opportunity to invest in the lives of your children. 
to bring them up in the nurture, in the admonition of the Lord and instill in them the values and then say to God, here God, use them however you see fit. A conquering mother doesn't waste that opportunity. A conquering mother nurtures that opportunity. A conquering mother takes advantage of that opportunity. Every moment she has. Listen, you may say, well, my children are all grown and gone. That doesn't matter. Take every opportunity you have to invest in your children. To invest in your grandchildren. You might say, well, listen, Pastor Jones, I don't even have children yet. Listen, take the time to begin thinking about how you're going to invest in your child now. We have, it's such a wonderful opportunity. Mothers, you deserve to be honored. You have given sacrificially. You've sorrowed. You've believed in us when no other human being would. Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. Mothers are an absolute key to that. There have been times when we have not even believed in ourselves, yet you believed in us. I called my mom the other day, a couple weeks ago actually, and she said, how'd it go today? And I said, ah, not that good. She's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. I don't really have a reason. And she just from that moment on just began to encourage me encourage me. When even my, I myself didn't even believe in myself, she just kept encouraging me. We need mothers like that. We need mothers that'll stand with their children and not give up, just like Jacobet did. By the way, 40 years later, Moses shows up in, the, in the Egypt, and he delivers his people Somebody that should have died. Somebody that should have been uh, uh, rolled over in his little ark. Somebody that should have never made it because he was surrounded by the world. They had everything going against him. Yet God and Jochebed, a godly mother. Wonderful, wonderful example of a godly mother. Let's pray.